Hello and welcome. My name is Pastor Shane Britt, and it is such an honor to have you join our podcast today. I pray that you will find something uplifting and encouraging in the word you are about to hear. Also, please feel free to connect with us via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm so excited about what you're about to hear. Let's dive right into the Word of God. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And he said, a certain man had two sons. This is Jesus telling this parable. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided them to them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave to him. And when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was a great way off, his father saw him. It didn't say that the boy saw his father, but his father saw him and he had compassion and he ran and he fell on his neck and kissed him and the son said unto him father i have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son but the father said to his servants bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and his shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be married for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. I know sometimes when you read or hear this parable, you can find it difficult to relate to. It's, it's a story about a fictional young Jewish boy that lived about 2,000 years ago, almost 7,000 miles away from where we live in a small Israeli town. What do I have in common with this imaginary boy? There's a lot of di distance in both time and land between you and the boy in this story. So it would be easy to assume that it has nothing to do with you. Maybe when you hear this story, you think, well, this is for somebody else listening to the message today. Perhaps you were one of those who were raised in the church and you never left. Maybe you were raised outside of church. But as you, after you were converted, you came and you never missed a Sunday. Maybe you've gone to church every week for decades. And you think when you hear this parable that this is for somebody else. And, and maybe you're even thinking of that person right now. Oh, I've got a lost loved one that needs to hear this message. Or this is for somebody else. But I would encourage everyone today who's listening and tuning in to listen to the warnings of a prodigal today because that's the title of my message you see i thought that this parable wasn't for me when i heard it as a teenager i thought that it was for somebody else and i often 
thought, you know what? When I'm hearing a message about this parable, I'm just going to think about somebody else and pray about somebody else. But let me just remind you today that Jesus told this parable and he gave it to all of us. And there's something that all of us can learn from the story of the prodigal. This isn't just another Bible story to me. This is no fairy tale. This, in fact, is my life. I stand before you today as a prodigal, and I am not proud of it. I'm not boasting about it by any means, but I just want you to know that's who I am. That's who I am. I can't change it. I wish that I could go back and talk to the 18, 19-year-old Jacob Jones and give him some warnings about the consequences of the choices I was getting ready to make. But I can't do that. I can't time travel. I'm still working on it, but I haven't figured out how to do that until I figure it out. Since I can't go talk to the younger me, the Lord impressed it upon me to share some of those warnings with you today. Since I can't share them to the younger, skinnier version of myself, let me just give you four warnings of a prodigal today. I'm not going to be very long. I just have four things that I want to tell you about reasons why that I have seen people become prodigals. And one of those reasons is why I became one myself. The first one is for fear of failure. That's my story. If you don't know my story, I'm going to share some of it with you today. I grew up not far from here in Atala, Alabama. And one night when I was very young, God gave me a dream. I was 14 years old. And I was called into ministry at a very young age. I was preaching and teaching as a teenager. I was probably only about 15 or 16 years old when Brother Davison put me behind a pulpit to address the church. I taught Bible studies. I baptized people when I was no older than 16. I went into prison ministry and people lined up after I preached to be baptized. But somehow I started listening to a voice. A voice that was contrary to the voice that God had in my life. A voice that told me, I'm not worthy. Remember what the prodigal said, I'm not worthy. That's the voice of the enemy that tries to tell you that you can't do what God has called you to do. I saw myself at the edge of a great divide, and I felt like I was on the other side of a canyon between me and the destiny that God had called me to do. You see, I grew up in government housing. I got a common last name. I didn't have a father around. I didn't have money or reputation. I wasn't popular. But God told me in a dream that he had a great mission for me. And I looked at God and I said, you've got the wrong person. I'm nobody. I'm nothing. But let me tell you something. What I've learned after 20 years is that when God calls you to do something, he will equip you and he will prepare you to do and fulfill that calling. But I didn't understand that at 14 years old. I kept the dream to myself. I didn't tell anyone about it. Not my mother, no one. One day, Pastor Davison came and he prophesied to me in front of the whole church. He came off the platform and he told me that God has given you a dream and you're trying to forget about it. You're trying to tell yourself it was only a dream, that it wasn't from God. But he said, you know what? It was from God and he's got a great mission for you. And then at that point, the cat was out of the bag and I couldn't hide from my calling anymore. And the pressure began to grow and grow and grow. 
Sometimes I don't think we understand the pressure that we put on people that are called of God. Two weeks before I graduated high school, my grandfather, Troy Horton, passed away. My spiritual leader, my rock, he was an anointed apostolic preacher. He was more of a father to me than my actual father. And I was devastated and confused. I went into a deep depression. I began to have thoughts of suicide. And I didn't talk to anyone about it. I had it in my mind that I was supposed to do what God called me to do right after I graduated from high school for some reason because I just didn't know what else I was supposed to do. I knew that God had called me to do something, but I didn't know how to do it or when to do it or what else to do until it happened. My biggest problem now looking back, listen, listen to the warnings of a prodigal. My biggest problem was that I never talked to my pastor about it. I never let anybody in on the thoughts that I was having in my head. I just tried to deal with it on my own. I tried to go about it on my own. And listen to me, folks. You're in the church for a reason. The church is not here just to be a, a place where you come and socialize. They're here for support. They're here to lift you up. They're here to go with you and walk beside you. You're supposed to Lean on them. You're supposed to seek counsel from your pastor. Don't try to fight these battles on your own. The God that I serve gave you a church for a reason. But I didn't use the church the way I should have been using it. Instead, I just tried to fight with these problems on my own. I started beginning to feel like I was unworthy, like I was unable. And for the fear of failure itself... I failed, and I ran from God and this calling that he gave me so that I wouldn't have to face what I thought would be certain failure. I spent eight years as a prodigal, and I've come to warn you not to do the same. If you've already been there, Maybe you've left and you've come back and now you're feeling unworthy like the prodigal feels. And I know what that feels like. Let me tell you something. God did not call you to be worthy. He called you to walk worthy of your calling. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1, he said, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Jesus did not say be worthy. He said walk worthy. Yeah, you know what? I can't do it. I'm not worthy, but I can be worthy because the worthy one is in me. His spirit is in me. And maybe I can't do it on my own. But guess what? You're right where God wants you. Because he never said do it on your own. He said that in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ. Not by myself, but through Christ who gives me strength. If you've already been down that road that I'm talking about today, you know that it's never planned. You don't think about it. You don't plan it out. You don't envision yourself one day waking up in a pig pen as you're walking through the halls of your father's house. It can be imagine, it'd be hard to imagine the day that you wouldn't be in your father's house right now. It can be hard to imagine the day that you wake up with nothing that you have right now. But I promise you, you won't see it coming until it's already here. I was dressed and going to church the Sunday that I didn't show up. 
I drove all the way there. I got to the jacks where I have to turn. And instead of turning, at that moment, I kept going straight. I had no plan. I got dressed like I normally did every Sunday. I got ready. I brushed my teeth, got on my tie. I began to drive to church. Had no intention of missing church that day. And as I got to the point where I needed to turn, that voice came up and said, why are you doing this? You're just going to fail anyway. And I had no plans. You may be sitting there thinking, I've never missed a service. I'm here every Sunday. But listen to the warnings from a prodigal today. You're not going to plan it when the enemy comes in and gives you those voices you've got to prepare today and say you know what i'm not gonna listen to the voice of the liar he is the father of lies i'm gonna keep my eyes on the prize i'm gonna listen to my god he gave me a calling he gave me a promise and i'm gonna keep fighting for the faith listen to the warning of a prodigal you can feel unworthy at times. You're going to feel unable at times. You're going to feel inadequate at times. You're going to feel discouraged. But don't leave the Father's house. You know why? Because in your Father's house, you're going to find a Barnabas. And Barnabas will grab you up like he grabbed up Saul and turn you into a Paul. It was Barnabas that later took John Mark who said, Paul said he's not worthy. To, he, he's not even worth the time. And Paul said, John Mark, I can't even use you on my second missionary journey but you know what Barnabas did he said you know what Paul let me take John Mark and he took John Mark underneath his wing just like he took Paul under his wing and he began to mentor him and encourage him and build him up and strengthen him and on his third missionary journey Paul said bring me John Mark bring me John Mark because he is valuable to me he called him out by name if you stay in the father's house you're going to run into the spirit to Barnabas you're going to find somebody that's going to encourage you and walk beside you and lift you up and pick you up and carry you when you need carrying and pray for you when you need prayer and visit you when you're in the hospital but you ain't going to find that if you leave the father's house there ain't no spirit of the Barnabas out there Barnabas is in the house you gotta stay in the house we all have a purpose Every one of us has a calling, and the enemy is going to try to convince you that you can't do it. He's going to try and tell you that you're going to fail. You're just wasting your time. But listen to me, until you feel like you fulfilled everything that God has called you to do, stay in the house. Stay in the Father's house. And sometimes it's the wait that will get you. Waiting for God's calling. He calls you. I don't know why he called me when I was 14 years old. I didn't know. I never know why. But you know what? David waited 15 years after he was anointed before he wore a crown. I said David waited 15 years. He got anointed to be the king, and then he got sent back out to the sheep. Listen, don't let the wait cause you to run don't let the weight get you to be frustrated god's got a calling for you he will equip you and the timing is right he will begin to use you see whenever god tells you to do something you think sometimes that you need to do it right then and there but what i have learned after 20 years is that when god tells you something and he tells you you're going to do it soon soon to god is not the same as soon to me 
Abraham waited 35 years after God called him the father of many nations before he had Isaac. Don't let the wait cause you to be frustrated. The second warning I want to give you, the second reason why people become prodigals is because of faith-shaking storms. When people go through trials and they go through storms like the one that we had here last night, oftentimes they start looking for the exit sign. It's that fight or flight reaction. And instead of contending for the faith, like Paul said, contend means to fight. Instead of fighting for the faith, they'd rather break for the back door. Listen, there is no solution for your storm outside the house. Your trial isn't going to get better just because you move locations either. You see, oh, well, I'm going through a storm. Let me go find another church. I'm going through a storm. Let me go find another pastor. I'm going through a storm. Let me move to another city. You know what? Those rain clouds can move, and they will follow you. And oftentimes, changing locations doesn't make it better. It just makes it worse. Because the problem hasn't been dealt with. The issue hasn't been addressed. And whenever you're going through a storm, it's not time to leave the house. When the storm comes in the natural world, do you run outside? You don't like getting caught in the rain, do you? When you start hearing the tornado sirens go off in the neighborhood, do you run to the house or do you run from the house? It's the same in the spiritual sense. When you're going through a trial, when God sends a storm your way, or when the enemy sends a storm your way, whatever sends the storm your way, if you're going through a storm, it's not time to leave the house. It's time to get in the house. Listen to the warnings of a prodigal today. That storm that you're going through in the house is going to be easier to weather than if you were outside. Instead of leaving the house of God, you need to get to the altar. You need to get in his presence. And I promise you in his presence, the Prince of Peace can talk to your storm. The Prince of Peace can say, peace, be still. The Prince of Peace can calm the raging seas. But listen to me, person out there who's wondering why this prodigal is talking to you with such emotion. Because I've been outside the house in a storm. And it's not like it is when you're in the house. When you're in the house, God's going to be with you. When you're in the house, the church is going to be with you. When you're in the house, he can bring you peace. He can bring you joy in the morning. But outside the house, you're exposed to the elements of the storm. The third thing that causes people to become prodigals is false doctrine. They get lured away by somebody trying to convince them of something that is contrary to what you've been taught from the gospel, from the word of God. It's no secret that the Bible prophesies that there will be false teachers coming in groves during the last days. And they're going to tell people who have itching ears what they want to hear. Listen to the warning of a prodigal. This is perhaps the most dangerous reason to leave your father's house. Because when people leave for this reason, I've seldom seen them return. 
That's why in Hebrews chapter 6, we're told that after those who were once enlightened with the truth and filled with the Holy Spirit, just like you were, just like they were on the day of Pentecost, he says, if they shall fall away, if they shall fall away. Folks, I don't want anyone to fall away. Those are the promises of a Pentecostal church that if you go to a place that says, you know what, we're going to give you a Pentecostal-like church, but no Pentecostal lifestyle. And that promise might pull you away. It might entice you. But I can promise you, if they're trying to give you a Pentecostal church without a Pentecostal lifestyle, they're not going to have the power. They might have a form of godliness, but they're going to deny the power. I don't want to trade away the presence of God to have some watered-down version of the gospel. Paul said it like this, if any man or angel or even if I myself come to you and preach any other gospel than the one that I first preached to you. Let him be accursed. Why would you leave the house of God and put yourself under a cursed pastor? Listen, the Bible said, if they shall fall away after you've got the truth and you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, don't leave the house of God. Don't leave the house of God. It did. Uh, listen, I wasn't convinced of this. I wasn't convinced of the truth just so somebody else could convince me of some other gospel you've got to have a conviction of the truth you've got to know that it's the truth and it's the truth that will set you free if you're having any issues understanding sound bible doctrine i'll make myself available to you because i have a passion for the truth i may have been a prodigal for eight years but I never once stopped defending the truth. I didn't take up this doctrine because it was taught to me or because it was tradition or because somebody came along and convinced me of it. I searched the scripture myself. In fact, I tried to prove it wrong and I failed. There's only one God. His name is Jesus. He's the express image of the invisible God. He's the word made flesh. Jesus is the comforter. He's the same spirit that lives inside of me today. Don't let somebody try to come along and convince you that you don't need to be baptized in Jesus' name. When Jesus himself said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Don't listen to the false teacher that tries to tell you that you can live and act however you want. When God said, be ye therefore holy, for I am holy. That is Bible, folks. I didn't make it up. You can take it up with the Father, but just don't leave his house. If they shall fall away, don't leave the Father's house for false doctrine. If you leave the truth thinking that you're going to have more liberty, let me tell you, your flesh might have freedom, but your spirit will be in shackles. Oh, you got a little bit of liberty in the flesh, but your spirit it will be bound. And you're not going to feel what you feel in these altars. I promise you, the first thing that a church, when it's going away from false, going and heading towards false doctrine, the first thing they try to let go of is holiness. Well, we don't need all that stuff. We don't need that. 
what are we doing? All we need is, well, we'll just, we'll still baptize, right? And we'll still pray people through. We'll do all that. But pretty soon, the Holy Ghost stops visiting their altars. And then all of a sudden, they start teaching people how to speak in tongues. And one thing leads to another. And you don't even need to be baptized anymore. If they shall fall away, listen to the warning of a prodigal. I'm almost done. The last warning. Don't leave the Father's house by falling into sin. I won't stand here and tell you that the world doesn't have anything fun. It's full of fun. You can find some joy. You can find peace maybe. You can even maybe find some love outside your Father's house. But the problem is... The things this world has to offer comes with a price. And everything that your father gave you, he already paid for. And everything that your father can give you, the world is going to try to give you a counterfeit product. You see, you can find joy in this world, but it won't be joy unspeakable. And you might find some level of peace in this world, but it won't be the peace that passes all understanding. And you can find some semblance of love in this world, but it won't be the greatest love. The Bible says there is no greater love than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. My God, according to 1 John chapter 4, my God is love. And there's some things in this world that will try to, to make up for the things that you're missing in the church, but I promise you, it won't last. It won't last. There are many out there who are watching this right now who would stand up and testify next to me and say, what I'm telling you is true. There is nothing, nothing, nothing in this world worth turning around to see some instant gratification that will not last. It did not take the prodigal long to go through all of his money and to find himself laying face down in a pig pen. Let me tell you, it's just not worth it, folks. It will only be fun for a season, and then it is nothing close to fun. You'll find yourself trying to fill a God-sized hole in your heart with sin-sized objects, and as those things enter that void, instead of filling them, they only make the hole get bigger. It's not going to fill you up. It's just going to make you want more and more of this world. There's only thing, there's only one thing that can fit into that hole in your heart, and that's Jesus Christ. And Paul said, redeem the time. For the days are evil. And he said that 2,000 years ago. So if it was true then, it's got to be true today. In case you, maybe you have your head underneath a rock. <clears throat> let me let you in on a little secret. Jesus is coming back soon. I said Jesus is coming back soon. You might think, well, the prodigal made it back in time. Brother Jones made it back to the Father's house in time. I know some other people that have made it back in time. Maybe I will make. No, 
Don't even risk it. I'm telling you right now, we are so close to the return of the king. We are so close to Jesus stepping out on that cloud to call his children. I could spend hours showing you just how close we are, but I promised you I would not be long today. So instead, just listen to this warning from a prodigal. You do not have time to experiment with this world. When the rapture takes place, listen, when the rapture takes place, there's going to be many lost souls looking around confused but there's going to be some prodigals looking up from the pig pen and they're going to know exactly what is happening they're going to know exactly when the news reports hit and everyone's saying what's going on what's that where did everybody go where's pastor Brett? where's the bishop Where's my mom and daddy? Where's the, what's going on? You, there's going to be people confused. Let me tell you who's not going to be confused. The prodigal. Prodigal's going to know. I spent one too many days in the big man. One too many days. Don't let that be you. Don't hear about the rapture on the news. Don't leave your father's house. I'm coming to a close. And there's something about this parable that caught my attention when I study. Every time I study this parable, something else jumps out at me. And I could sit here, I could go a very long time and just break down different points in this story that just that stand out to me that feeling of unworthiness the prodigal had I know what that's like I know if you're going through that it's something that you got to learn that you don't get to tell God who he can and can't forgive and his grace is sufficient his grace is sufficient he's welcoming the prodigal's home and you might feel unworthy but he wants you to come back and there's so many things I could go through. But something that jumped out at me as I began to study this out. We don't know how long the prodigal was gone. We don't know. We can see that it was only a few days after he got his inheritance from his father that he left. But we have no idea how long he was gone. We don't know how long it took him to spend all his money. We don't know how long it took him to get that job feeding the pigs. We don't know how long it was he was eating from the pig pen. It could have been a long time. I think oftentimes our first assumption is that it was a long time. What do you think, a year? Six months, maybe 30 days? Here's the thing, we just don't know. When I was a young Marine, before I met my wife, I could get paid on a Friday, and I could be broke on Sunday. That's what the world takes from you. I could spend my entire paycheck just a couple of nights down in Pacific Beach and have nothing to show for it, nothing at all. And if it wasn't for the fact that I was a government employee with a barracks room to live in and a child hole to eat at, I would have been homeless. I would have been just like this prodigal, face down in a pig pen. So you might think it took him a long time to spend that inheritance, but I, I've been there and I know it don't take long for the world to take everything from you. 
It doesn't take long for the world to take everything right now. When you, when you get up from the altar and you feel so refreshed and you feel that cleansing spirit of the Holy Ghost, you think, ah, this is going to last forever. You leave the Father's house and you walk away from his presence. I promise you it don't take long for the world to strip all of that away. What if he was gone for just a few weeks? What if it was just a few days? What if the prodigal left on a Monday and he came home to his father on Sunday? This is where I want to bring you home. You see, at the start of this message, I told you that most people can't relate to this because you think the prodigal is somebody that hasn't come to church for years. But what if I told you a prodigal can leave his father's house for a week and still be a prodigal? Never mind that you come to the father's house every single Sunday. How are you living from Monday to Saturday? Do you take everything your father gave you on Sunday and lose it before Tuesday? The prodigal started walking home. And it doesn't say this, but I just imagine... Because he was, a, he was a long way off. And I, I've lived this myself. So I just, I picture what it was like as he was walking back to his father's house. I'm sure he had his head hanging low, looking at the dirt on his feet as he began to walk down that dusty road, ashamed, unworthy, and embarrassed. I don't think he even saw his father running to him until he heard his footsteps. No, I think he was still a long ways off when the father met him and he fell on his neck and kissed him. Uh, the minute the father wrapped him up and he fell on his neck, that's when the prodigal was safe. He didn't even have to get back to the house. You see, being a prodigal isn't actually even about being in the house at all. You're watching online today. I think the prodigal was lost before he even left the house. Jesus told another parable about the lost coin. You go study that out. The coin was lost in the house. You see, it's not about being at church every Sunday and just showing up and checking off the box. It's not about being in the house at all. The real place of safety, the place you need to be, is in His presence. What if the prodigal came back in the middle of the night and he snuck in through some back window of the house and he didn't wake up his father? The salvation wouldn't have come until his father woke up, he found his son, and he fell on his neck, and he put him back in his presence. You can be in the house and not be in his presence. You can be in the house and not. You can show up every Sunday for 50 years. But if you don't ever enter his presence, oh, you see, before you start thinking about somebody that doesn't come to church and say, oh, I wish they heard this message today, check yourself. Check your heart. When's the last time that you found yourself immersed in the Father's presence? 
How long has it been since you let him wrap his loving arms around you? I don't care if you stay in the Father's house from now until glory. If you avoid being in his presence, you're a prodigal. Oh, it's hard at first. Resisting the call to his presence. But over time, as you let your heart harden and callous, you can convince yourself that just because I'm in the house, I'm safe. Listen to the warning of a prodigal. I spent eight years away from my father's house, but I did not feel safe until I found myself back in his presence. I know it's difficult. Not being physically here in the church this morning. But like I said, the only place you need to be is in His presence. And I think it'd be great if we just gathered our family around right now in your living room or your bedroom or wherever you're watching today. And I think it'd be a good idea to say, you know what? Maybe even if you have to, put on some worship music. But it'd be a good idea to spend just a little bit of time in the presence of God today. I know you're not in the house. I know there's a storm going on outside. But you don't have to be in the house to be in His presence. Pray with your spouse and your kids today. If you're alone, find some place to get alone and just begin to tap in to the presence of God. Don't stop. Don't stop until you feel the Father wrap His loving arms around you. And when you know that you're in His presence, when you feel Him surround you today, that's when you know you're safe. I'm going to pray with us right now. And as I begin to pray, let your family gather around and just begin to worship the Lord. Let His glory fill your house right now. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray, God, that your presence will surround every one of the people who are watching and listening today or sometime in the future. Let them begin to feel your love like the story that we read, how the Father, how He embraced that Son. And let them begin to feel your love like they've never felt it before let them begin to feel it the greatest love there is no greater love than this than a man will lay down his life for his friend my God is love I'm the apple of your eye you were thinking about me on the cross you were thinking about me as your blood was shed on Calvary thank you God for your love I know why you did it you told us why you did it for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that we would not perish oh God I want to be in your presence just like you were with Adam in the cool of the eve in that garden of Eden God I want to ask you Lord usher your spirit into this place today and into the homes of anyone listening right now let them begin to feel your presence in a mighty way if they need healing in their body God heal them right now if they need healing in their minds heal their minds right now if they need deliverance from anything God deliver them from an addiction if they're struggling with depression God give them the peace that only you can give them Lord God we thank you Jesus for this word today we thank you God for your presence today we thank you for what you're doing in our lives and we give you all the glory and all the honor thank you Jesus God bless each and every one of you